All right, let me ask you to stand with me. Luke chapter 1, out of honor for God's Word. The Bible says in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David." And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God... Nothing shall be impossible. And this is Mary's response. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. And then she says this, Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray today. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us, the way you've already ministered to our hearts. And we trust, Lord, we have ministered uh, worship and, and worthiness to you back with our offerings and with our singing today. Father, I pray in these few moments we share this morning, you'd speak to us once more, and that application will be found in each of our hearts as a result of this story that took place so long ago. Uh, Lord, we're grateful that you came. Uh, Lord, we're grateful that you will one day reign uh, forevermore, and we look forward to that day. And so speak to us today, we ask once more in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You ever had any interruptions in your life? Um, They can be frustrating to say the least. Um... Ever had the hot water heater stop working in your home? Especially this time of year, that is, that is not fun. That's happened to us before. Um, maybe you've forgotten a password on a website. And in today's world, that is increasingly a frustrating thing. Uh, maybe a traffic jam. And I was just speaking to someone here at church that just moved a month, few months ago from Dallas-Fort Worth. And I was humbled because I get frustrated with the construction traffic around here. He said, well, that's really nothing compared to Fort Worth, so I'm grateful for that. You know, we bristle when people interrupt our thoughts, our words, our actions. Interrupt means to stop or to hinder by breaking in. Interruptions, well, they interrupt the plans of our lives and what we're trying to accomplish. Yesterday morning, I was finishing up the sermon. I I, I finished it. About, about noon, I suppose, and uh, had a few hours in the afternoon where I was studying for, uh, getting ready for adult Bible class this morning, and then put it down for a couple hours. About 7.15 last night, I sat down to review uh, my sermon on interruptions, and I was interrupted. And so we have a neighbor um, who's out of town serving in the military, and Elizabeth told his wife that while he's gone, Um, that I would do anything she needed to do around her home and help her if she needed help, which was very Christian of Elizabeth. (laughs) So I'm 
sitting down to review my sermon, which is, to me, it's very important. I believe this moment's important. And it's a sermon on interruptions. And as soon as I do, she says, babe, the neighbor just text and she needs your help hanging a shelf. I said, okay, right now? She said, yeah, right now. So a lot of thoughts began to run through my head. I have a sermon to prepare on interruptions. How appropriate. And so I said, uh, we'll take Ethan with you. No, I didn't say that to her. I went. (laughs) You know, people and circumstances and traffic jams, they aren't the only things that interrupt our lives. Sometimes God interrupts our lives too. And when God interrupts us, usually it can change the trajectory of our lives. And in one moment, here was Mary, a young girl, and she had the interruption of a lifetime that would change her forever and really even for eternity. She is one of the more interesting characters in the Bible. It's not always easy to know what to make of Mary. She has been venerated in shrines. She has been prayed to. She's been worshipped. She has been portrayed by thousands of artists in various different ways throughout the last thousands of years. For some people, Mary is an afterthought. She's, um, she's a means to an end. She's rarely thought of or discussed other than to occupy a figure in the nativity scene that would be found in many of our homes this morning. The main understanding of her life and her role is that she was the woman, she was the young lady who bore the Christ child. She gave birth to Jesus. She's often represented as poised and quiet. She does her duty and then she fades into the background. But if we pause for a moment and consider this interruption in her life in the context of her story, perhaps no one in the history of the world ever has or ever will have the kind of divine interruption that Mary had. Story after story after story in the Bible is filled with God interrupting lives. He did it then. He continues to do it um, today. God interrupted Abraham. He interrupted Moses. He interrupted the life of each disciple. He interrupted the life of Paul. He works in the lives of his people. He always has and he always will. And that work that he does through interruption, it startles. It surprises. It stops every single time that he does it. But no one in the history of the world held the son of the living God in the way that Mary did. She bore Jesus Christ. She held him in her arms. She gave birth to the Son of God. Uh, She nursed him. She told him what to do. Uh, She raised him. Why Mary? Why did God interrupt her life? Why was she chosen? Well, the Bible provides the answer, and it's quite simple. It was that she found favor with God. What does it mean to find favor with God. I have a lot of favorites, and I'm sure that you do too. We have favorite snacks, favorite movies, Gladiator, uh, favorite sport teams, favorite times of the year. But what about you and I being one of God's favorites? But this is different on a whole different scale. That God might have people who find favor with Him, His favorites. See, none of those things even begin to compare when it comes to God's favor. In the New Testament, the word would be, would share the same word, the the, the root word of grace. 
Moses, Noah, Joseph, Samuel, Jesus are all specifically said to have found the favor of God. We're told in Genesis that God looked upon Abel's offering with favor. King David's name, of whom we wrote a moment ago, that, that he shall give unto him the throne of his father David. David's name literally means favorite. God extends his favor to those who live generous, humble, and grace-filled lives. To be sure, Mary was special. But I'm going to encourage you this morning by telling you this. You are too. You're special too. And you have God's favor. God may be the God of the universe, but God is no elitist. Mary is from a dirty, nothing town in the sticks called Nazareth. Just about a week and a half ago, Elizabeth and I stood there in Nazareth. We, we, we went up to this mountaintop and we overlooked Nazareth. And, and today it's more of a, of a little bit more of a modern city. But, but back then especially, it was a speck on the map. It was impoverished. It was insignificant. And I want us to be encouraged this morning that God's favor isn't a matter of the condition of your body or your social status or your bank account. It's a matter of the condition of your heart. Mary brings no credentials to being given a special task by God. There was nothing on her resume other than her willingness and her availability to serve the Lord. Mary was a sinner. Yes, she found God's favor. But like all of us here this morning, even the child that she bore to bear the sins of the world, she too had to accept as her Lord and her personal Savior, which no doubt she did. It wasn't her merit or even the fact that she had done anything right that earned her the favor of God. It was because of this one reason, Mary's condition of her heart, that God chose to use her. See, God looks for and He loves those who love Him. If we were to fast forward a few chapters this morning, and I'll just read the text in Luke chapter 8, Jesus begins His earthly ministry, and He is preaching and he is teaching the people, and he's interacting with, him, with them. And on the outskirts of the crowd, the Bible says his mother and his brethren were trying to break through the crowd to get to him, but they couldn't. There were, there were too many people, and they were listening to him, and, and they couldn't get through to him. And so someone comes to him and says in verse 20 of chapter 8, Thy mother and, and brethren stand without, and they desire to see thee. And Jesus takes this opportunity to make this point. And he says in response, my mother and my brethren are these which hear the Word of God and do it. And what's he saying? He's saying that those who pay attention to what I'm saying, those who hear my voice, they're just as important to me. They have all of the favor and grace they could ever ask for from me as the Son of God because they listen to my voice and they, they do it. To have found favor with God is to find His grace, to gain approval and acceptance or blessing. And I want to encourage you this morning with simply this thought that we can all have the kind of heart that finds favor with God. There is no one here this morning that is limited from finding the kind of love and the favor that God has had for Mary and He can have for us. But there's a subsequent thought. See, those who have God's favor will find that, like Mary, He will 
interrupt your world. On this side of history, we look back at Mary and think, wow, she, she, I mean, she bore Jesus Christ. That's pretty cool. At, at this time, I don't know how cool Mary thought that was. She was honored. She was also terrified. And she had real fear for many reasons. First, an angel appeared to her. Well, that's frightening. Secondly, Mary was between the ages of, thir- between, historians say, between the age of 13 and 16 years old. Our youth department is here. How many of you girls are between the ages of 13 and 16? Hold your hand up real high. Okay, you can get, can get face. My daughter Sophia is one of them. Can you imagine the fear that this young girl felt? Third, while Mary found favor with God, she's about to find unfavor in the eyes of her community and her social circles. She became a pregnant teenager before her wedding date. Whisper of scandal and disdain ensued. See, in Jewish culture at that time, Mary and Joseph were betrothed, meaning they were already legally bound to one another. The betrothal period usually lasted a year, and it was as binding as marriage legally. Now, it would culminate on the wedding day where they would consummate the marriage. But for all practical purposes, they were legally bound to one another and they were married. And here she shows up pregnant and the wedding date hadn't happened yet. And Mary knows all this. The angel appears to her. She's processing that. Here she is, a very young girl. She's processing that. She's legally engaged, engaged to be married. She, she, this obligation, this thing's done except for the, the consummation. She knows that, and now she's pregnant. And there would have been real fear that terrified her. And in spite of her fear, Mary nods both her head and her heart in consent to God's working in her life. And her response was simply this, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. I'm your servant. I, I, I don't have any rights here. If you honor me, if you choose me, if you put this path in front of me, then I'm your servant, whatever that is. And her response was this, be it unto me. I'm your servant, Lord. Let's do this. I will serve you in whatever capacity you want me to. Now, some people will pray prayers like this, Lord, change your will. And Mary's response was simply this, Lord, your will be done. Whatever God says. I accept. Author Philip Yancey, who has written many books on the life of Christ, said often a work of God comes with two edges, great joy and great pain. And in that matter-of-fact response, Mary embraced both. She was the first person to accept Jesus on his own terms, regardless, now get this, of the personal cost. Accepting Jesus living for Him, making a difference, has a personal cost that's associated with it. Her decision did not lead to a joyful pregnancy showing off her baby bump to her friends and loved ones. She probably didn't have a sweet baby shower with lots of balloons. Her life instantly became filled with gossip and drama. Her very decision to say yes to God ran the risk of the threat of death itself. A woman pregnant before her wedding day was assumed an adulteress. That's a big deal in any generation, but especially during the context of Bible times. Historian Scott McKnight points out that if a woman was suspected of adultery 
and she maintained her innocence, she would be taken to a public place. Her clothing would be torn from her. Her hair would have been let down because that's how prostitutes wore their hair. She would have been left there to be mocked and then humiliated publicly. In Deuteronomy chapter 22, the penalty for adultery could be stoning by death. You think Mary didn't know any of that? Of course she did. This is the world she grew up in. She knew the customs. She knew God's word. She knew what was at risk here. And she could have focused on that. The Bible says she was terrified. She was fearful. Several times the angel has to say, don't be afraid. Let me translate that into modern English. Calm down. (laughs) Don't be so scared. I know you're terrified. Terrified of me. Terrified of your inexperience in youth. Terrified of being chosen by God. Terrified of what this will mean in your social circles and in your community and potentially even with your husband. But Mary didn't focus on the cost of of being the mother of the Messiah. Later in chapter 2, we even read this. Here was this man named Simeon, verse 34. And he blessed Mary and Joseph, and he said, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, for a son which shall be spoken against. He's prophesying about Jesus' life and the significance of Mary's little baby here. And then verse 35, it's in parentheses. It's almost like a side note. Here he is prophesying about Jesus' birth. Maybe he's speaking to Mary and Joseph as a couple, maybe to the group, small group gathered there. Then his eyes meet Mary's, and he locks in on her. And here's this old prophet who looks at her and says, almost as a side note, yea, as he stares at her, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also. I have children. I I don't know that there's anything in this world I love more than my children. You know, I was fighting with the boys yesterday, play fighting, and uh, one of them, you know, hurt his nose pretty badly. Not badly, badly, but, you know, badly for a boy, and tears well up in his eyes. And I don't like that. I want them to have fun. I hurt when they hurt. I hate it when their feelings get hurt. It bothers me. And here's, here's Mary bearing the Messiah, who one day died. Mary will watch him die. She'll lose her son. He says, yeah, a pe- sword's going to pierce your soul. There's a lot of pain ahead for you. It's almost as if it's an afterthought. Is serving God free? I'm going to answer the question this morning. It's not. Nothing good is free. Not even salvation is free. It's free to us. It costs God something. And it costs Mary something. There is always going to be a cost for you to serve God. If we would be like Mary, say, God, I love you and, I, and, and I'm so grateful for you. And be it unto me. I'll be your handmaid. I'll be your servant, Lord. I want to I please you then there's going to be a cost associated with that. It doesn't happen for free. And Mary could have focused on that cost. But instead she focused on the blessing. And she focused on the reward. See, being chosen by God, 
Finding his love, finding his grace, finding his favor is an immeasurable blessing. And to a person who's never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, for someone that doesn't love the Lord, there is a keen lack of understanding. They'll never understand what it means to be accepted and loved by God until they come to that point of repentance and accepting Him. But once we do, there's incredible blessing and reward for serving Him. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 4, in verse 14, Peter says this to us as Christians in today's world. This is long after Jesus had died and rose again. He said, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Was Mary reproached for the name of Christ? You know she was. But the Bible says that those that bear reproach for him, there is happiness there. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. There is a special and unique presence of the Holy Spirit for those that love God and suffer for Him. And he says, on their part, he is evil spoken of. People may not understand. They may speak evil of the Lord. They'll never understand why you do what you do or your willingness to love and serve God. But he says, but on your part, he is glorified. Verse 16, yet if any man suffer as a Christian... Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. It's a blessing. Mary, you're going to suffer. A, a sword is going to pierce your soul. And her response all along, I am terrified, but behold thy handmaid. Be it unto me, Lord. I'm going to focus on the good in this situation. Happy are ye. Peter continues in verse 19. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto, catch this, a faithful creator. He doesn't just create the world. He created your life. And He's a sovereign God. It means he's in control of the circumstances of your life. He's the creator of your life. Not just your body, but your life. Don't begrudge the asks of God. Don't begrudge his interruptions. Don't begrudge the privilege of serving him and the cost that he associates with love and finding favor in him. Instead, like Mary, we are challenged from this text this morning to focus on the good. When God interrupts your life, don't fear and worry over the cost of the future. Instead, focus on what He is doing and praise Him for it. Peter said, if you suffer as a Christian, happy are ye. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. There is a joy in knowing Him the world will never understand. And if you want true joy, and if you want true happiness, it's going to be found in serving God and sacrificing for Him. So what did Mary do? Well, she didn't focus on the sword that was going to pierce her soul. She didn't focus on her fear. Instead, she glorified God. Peter said that those who suffer for the Lord are to be happy. Was Mary happy? Well, let's look back in our Bibles at Luke chapter 1, later in the same chapter, verse 46. And this is this woman's response. 
And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit rejoiced in God my Savior. Is this like a happy person to you? It does to me. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. And, 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 and this would have been a little bit of a shot at the Romans that were ruling in the day. He's going to put them down, and he will, and he did. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent away empty. He hath hoped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Here's a woman who sees past the temporary pain, sees the grandeur of God himself, and his goodness, and says, it is a privilege and it is an honor for me to go through this short pain to please him and to reap the reward and joy found in serving him. See, Mary didn't just say yes to God. She said an enthusiastic, praise-filled, God-honoring, life-changing, yes. I'm here, Lord. Whatever you want. However you want to use my life. Whatever that cost is. Whatever inconvenience you want me to bear. Whatever price you want me to pay. Whoever you want me to love, what you want me to do, I'm your servant. And so use me. Your life isn't going to unfold the exact way you expect it to. It hasn't so far. And it won't tomorrow either. There are going to be interruptions. A lot of them. Some of them are our own fault. And some of them are caused by God Himself. It might be the hot water heater, and it could be a family relationship. It could be a health concern, and maybe something at your job. But I want you to know this this morning. God can, and God does, and God will, if you'll let Him work through and in the interruptions of your life. And we need to see His working in those things. Don't balk at his working. Don't balk at his interruptions. Don't resist his voice, his call, his message. Jerusha Matson Neal, she is a professor at Duke University. She wrote a book on Mary. And she writes this quote that's incredibly thoughtful provoking. She said, I know why Mary's afraid. It's not that the angel isn't coming. It's that he's already there. Right here, in this quiet space, waiting for an answer. And God interrupts our lives. And he was waiting for an answer from Mary. And she gave him one. But what we often do is not give him one. And he's waiting. When are you going to let me work in you? When are you going to let me make a difference through you? You're so afraid of the cost 
and all you're focused on is what it's going to cost you to serve me and love me and, 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 and what, 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 it's gonna, what that's going to mean for you. But I'm here to tell you there is joy and happiness on the other side of that cost. There is unparalleled uh, rejoicing that you can have like Mary did when we can get over that hump and focus on the good in life. You know, this week, uh, this season, the coming year that's just a short ways away, God's going to interrupt you. He's going to upend your expectations. He's going to interrupt your ideas, your plans, and your world. And he might ask you to do something simple, like start being friendly to more people, or serve someone specific, or start tithing to the church, or start speaking words of love and life to others, and stop being so self-focused. Or he could ask something bigger, like asking you to downsize rather than move up so that you can be more of a blessing to others. He might ask you to forgive a big hurt in your heart. He might ask you to trust him more. He might ask you to be more faithful. He might ask you to make some big sacrifices. But I want you to remember this this morning. God, God doesn't call us and God doesn't choose us for selfish joy. He often interrupts us and asks us to forsake our ease and our comfort for a task that requires all of us. He takes this young girl and he says, I'm going to give you a baby. But it's going to change your world, Mary. And God, too, interrupts us. He chooses us so that He can use us. I'm going to ask you this question this morning. Would you let Him use your life the way that Mary let Him use hers? Would you listen to the ways He might be speaking to your heart, waiting for an answer? So would you give Him one? Today? This year? You say, Behold, Lord, I'm your servant. Be it unto me. I'll do it. It's going to be tough. I'm going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on the good that you have in store for me and the joy that he really wants for our hearts. Let me ask you to stand this morning.